Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Attacking Third. I'm Denny Chu. This is Lisa Carlin, Jordan Angeli, and Darian Jenkins. And we are going to recap all things World Cup today. What a final between England and Spain. There was excitement from beginning to end of this match, and it really seemed like the two best teams made it to the final ladies. I, I agree completely. The best two teams, Spain and England, made it all the way. And at the end of the day, the best team won uh, on Sunday morning. That being Spain, they outplayed England. But overall, the entirety of the World Cup, 32 teams, all the debutants, all the stories that we got into, and it all culminated in this beautiful game at the end of it. 1-0, but it was a really good match. After 15 minutes, I was like, buckle up. This is going to be exhausting. <laughs> it was so back and forth, wide open, which you typically don't get in a final. You get yeah, a little bit exactly. more tense of a game. Nobody wants to make a mistake, but they came in ready to go. It was really fun from the get-go. It made that early wake-up call for the last time a fun thing to do. But I'm sad that the World Cup is over. It was just such a joy to be a part of this and to watch so many games so many mm -hmm. great stories <laughs> off of this World Cup. Darren, you want to take us through these highlights? Let's do it. So first we have this opportunity from England early on in the game, and they kind of set precedent that, you know, it had us thinking, oh, England's going to take this. And we have here Rachel Daly brings it down for Lauren Hemp, who curls it, and it just hits off the, the top of the crossbar, but really good chance for England early on. Then we have Spain taking advantage of an overload on this left side, and the ball goes over to Olga Carmona, who put it in the bottom corner, and such a clean finish. Her second goal, once in the semis and in the final to take this trophy home and become the World Cup champions. Mm. The left back in Carmona scoring the two game-winning goals for this Spanish side, that's what's really most impressive. And the fact how they were able to do it so quickly from 2015 until this year in 2023 and lift the cup. When we talk about that World Cup history that we're looking at right now, they say you exit in the group stage in 2015. In 2019, uh, they were out in the round of 16. In 2023, winner, winner, chicken dinner so quickly. <laughs> Jenny, they had won one World Cup game before this year. And then they just go on a tear, make it all the way to the final, and 
just show everybody that even though success didn't happen in 2015, that there was all this work behind the scenes. I think we're going to see this from a lot of different nations now yeah. who got their debut. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Portugal do similar kind of thing because Spain laid a little bit of a blueprint of how you can go and be successful through youth systems, through having the opportunity to play, and they fully deserved this. This was the best team in the tournament. They adapted. They were fun. It was beautiful to watch, and they utilized everybody. The history of this Spanish side getting to this World Cup this year, and I'm talking recent history. They defeated the United States mm -hmm. a year ago. That defeat bumped them up in the FIFA rankings ahead of Canada, which gave them a better drawing at the World Cup draw, better group stages. I'm not saying an easier path by any means but to this World Cup final, little things. but those little things help. So up. those friendlies against the United States, I mean, it's, it's all these little things. It's how you make waves. Jordan, you talked about that youth system. Uh, the current holders of the U-17, U-20, and Women's World Cup for the first time ever simultaneously is Spain. Yeah, I yeah. mean, for them to be holding all three of them at the Ooh. same time. Yeah, it, it, it's incredible. And a lot of these players, well, Parayuelo was is the only player to play in the 17s, 20s, and now be on the full team to lift the World Cup in this reign. I just feel like what Spain has done they are true to who they are. Their identity is very solid. They know they want to be a ball-playing team. They understand the, the chemistry of one another, and then they can go and display that. And yeah. when they display it, it is a thing of beauty, and you don't want to take your eyes off it. It felt like, to me, the midfield trio were the best players in, in this World Cup, and they just put on a show game in and game out. They really did, and I think, too, it showed how adaptable they are. I think. They, we've always had this vision of pigeonholing them into they're going to play pretty soccer, they're going to possess, but are you going to be threatening? We don't really know. We might just kind of be bored. Sometimes that's how I felt watching them. And this tournament, they flipped it. And I think the addition of Periuelo mm -hmm. and her being so dynamic and being able to press the center backs gave them an entirely different mm -hmm. look and a different style where they could actually create space because of that threat and behind and that yes. pressure and then able to just tiki talker on everybody and finish. They had such good finishes this tournament, which is why they won. They were able to put the ball in the back of the net. As impressive yeah. as all of their possession was and the passes and the fact that one pass would break lines of defense, I was so impressed with their turnovers that they forced because yeah. that's how they got the goal. And then it was a transition moment. So they forced turnover after turnover after turnover against this English side. They wore out the English defense with their possession. And then this heads up play and the transition movement is what caused the goal. It sounds so basic and so simple when you the break it down to that. It is the fundamentals okay. and that's what Spain does so well. Can I brag on one person who I feel like we haven't talked a lot about with this Spanish squad? We got to talk about Katakoy in goal because oh, yeah. this is a she did not play a minute in the group stage. Zero minutes. She hadn't even had an international appearance. She was with the U20s, was a part of that squad. But then she comes in in all the knockout games and she had nine saves. She gets one shutout. But not just that, her presence in the box, especially in this final, where England was going to have a little bit of an edge on set pieces. She came and just Fearless. picked mm -hmm. some out of the air yep. in a lot of traffic. Mm -hmm. I can think of two times in particular where there's a player right behind her. I thought it was incredible for her, the poise that she showed at such a young age. We got to give 22. the keepers yeah. 
yeah. some credit. We, we talked about her on Friday and the fact that, you know, I was so confused about the fact that she was number 23 mm -hmm. and then yeah, the fact yeah. that, you know, goalkeepers are usually number one, so I had looked into it. And the fact that she only started playing um, in the round of 16 yeah. for Spain in the tournament, the amount of pressure that that has mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the pressure for not only a, a goalkeeper but for the defensive back line that is comfortable with their keeper yeah. to, you know, to have a different person behind you directing you differently uh, it was incredible for Spain to be able to make that switch. Mm -hmm. And at, in the final moments of the game, I know you said a few stand out to you. I just have to think of the final moments of this final when England is throwing everything forward. Mm -hmm. They get an opportunity with a cross into the box on a, I think it was a corner kick at the yeah. final minutes of the game. And she has her hand in the defender's back, creating space for herself because England was giving no space mm -hmm. inside the box around Mary Earps was up there too. Exactly. Mary yeah. Earps gets uh -huh. into the moment and she makes this commanding save where she grabs the ball with so much conviction that it was Perfect like wording. we are winning yeah. this for mm -hmm. my team and my players. I completely agree. Oh. We we're going to talk about that depth in a little bit, but there's one point that I wanted to make is that the league that these women play in is the Spanish League. It was founded in 1988 and didn't become an official tier one professional league until 21-22. So that's what, three years ago, yeah. if, I, if I can... Two years ago, I, I can't. Did, do their first World Cup in 2015, so they didn't even have a professional women's league, right? It was it wasn't a tier one. And when we talk about amateur status, amateur status means that you have another job. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. this is, I don't want to say for fun, but there's not that much like for time passion. that you can for put passion. into this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and that just makes what they've accomplished even more impressive. But um, the amount of, you know resources that have gone into this team for them to complete uh, this co total domination. And, and U17, so many, U20, and full team. Yeah. And so yeah. many of these players play in Spain, in yep. that league yep. that you're talking about. That was just founded with Barcelona and Real Madrid. So they want to play for their country in their domestic yeah. league. Okay, well, we were mentioning the goalkeeper change there with Cole. Um, that is one sign of the depth of this team, for her to come in seamlessly in the um, elimination rounds. But now we talk about the depth of goal scorers. Nine different Spanish players scored goals during this tournament. Absolutely insane, Lisa. It is fantastic to see, honestly, the balance, which made it hard for opposition to scout and defend against the Spanish side because there wasn't just one or two threats. There were so many different players that could receive the ball and create chances and opportunities. And all of this depth really played into how Spain played throughout this the entirety of the tournament, having a different starting lineup in every single match that they played. <laughs> That's crazy to me. I know. Every time I hear that, I honestly am shocked because we talk about other teams in this World Cup, mainly the United States, and how little substitutions mm -hmm. they used. But the confidence as a player to know that I am going to contribute to this because mm -hmm. I'm trusted by my, my staff and my teammates. Everybody knows that you're going to go in there and their identity is so strong that they know how to play no matter what position. They're, they're played right back or left back. Players switch sides. I know Carmona played on, on multiple different spots. So this is such a massive win from Spain. I, I could just drool over what they did <laughs> for a long time. Um, we have to make a comment um, when we talk about the depth of this team that Las Quince, the 15 players that um, signed on and then officially it was seven that refused to return to the national team after um, making their, their needs and their wants known uh, by the Federation. Those players did not return. So when we talk about depth, that's even more 
depth that we have mm -hmm. in Spain that did not come back to the World Cup. There's players like Mape Leon who absolutely would have been in that starting lineup. Um, but we've followed the Spanish players' ongoing battle with the Federation and the coach. Uh, the latest point of contention was at the podium as the Federation president, Luis Rubiales, kissed Jenny Hermoso on the lips. <sighs> Ladies, for me, that is blatantly unacceptable. Where do you guys stand on this? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's gross, disgusting, and puts players in a bad position um, that now Jenny has to, Jenny Hermosa has to respond to that, and that becomes the talking point after the World Cup, not the fact that they just won. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's gross, and I feel bad for Jenny that that's what we're talking about, and I, I hope that, you know, we can just celebrate the players and not make that such a big mm -hmm. moment because it's it's gross nobody wants to see it nobody wants to be a part of it we're all adults like what are you doing it you're makes on the you world question stage what else, is what else is happening yeah that's, that's the bigger point and yeah. you bring up las quince and, and that's the issue is there has been controversy with how this team has been led for a long time and we saw it on display Mm -hmm. We saw it on display right there, and it didn't feel comfortable for anybody watching that, I don't think. Anybody thought that that was an okay thing. I understand Spanish culture is different than our culture, but that was not the moment to display what was displayed. And a kiss on the cheek, I think, would have done just fine, because other players got a kiss on the cheek. And mm -hmm. that felt like, to me, that felt like an okay for the Spanish culture type of moment. But the issues are deeper than this one thing. It's how are they leading this team? And that is where I think hopefully there's going to be more eyeballs on this team now. And you say, okay, are we making sure that these women are treated as fairly as they should? Winning a World Cup, now let's see if there's changes that are made. I'm hoping, that's a great point, and I'm hoping with the win of this World Cup, we've seen other teams and players now that have had success at this World Cup and spoken up. Mm -hmm. immediately after. This is when they have all eyes on them. They have the biggest platform to affect change. We know things are going on. We don't know the full story. I think there's so much more we're going to hear from the players, and I hope that they feel empowered and now have the stage to do so where they're really going to be heard. And I hope that this is kind of a catalyst for that change, for them to get better, deserve better, and hopefully bring in these players that missed out on a huge, huge moment for Spanish football. Darian, that's a great point. Um, absolutely hope they feel empowered now and I hope that that gives them a voice the fact that they won mm -hmm. hey what were the things that you needed what were what were your concerns let's make sure that we address these and make any changes needed but with that a topic of contention is whether or not Jorge Vilda will continue as the coach I guess we can't tell you whether he will or not but should he with all of the controversy that has surrounded this team and his his leadership no he should leave yeah. <laughs> I think he should be gone by uh, Clearly, we, you know, we spoke about the depth of this squad, and that's amazing, but imagine if you had a coach that the players were able to buy into and that they trusted and were not sitting here taking time questioning the Federation and everything that's going on and why this yeah. is being swept under the rug. I hope he steps away and that there's change, ultimately, for the players. That makes absolute sense. Um, I don't think he's going to step away, though. I think no, that needs has to, to be, be changed. Forced. I think mm. I think what you've mentioned about the players um, having using this World Cup win as a catalyst to enact change and to speak about their experience that, that have happened, if they make it uh, vocal, which I know they didn't want to do initially, they sent a private letter. Yeah. But mm -hmm. if if 
it has to, I don't think he's going to leave. Well, that's why just, would he? He's got a great gig. No one forced him out the last time the, the players came forward. The only way he's forward. leaving is he, if he gets a job on the men's side. That's yeah. the only way he's leaving. Well, we have to talk it's about me. that because if um, we think that he should leave, if, you know, as Darian vehemently believes, um, the Spanish Federation put out a tweet after they won and it said, Vilda in. Immediately after that, almost as a, a slap in the face to the players who who asked for things. And to be this changed. is why I get annoyed because it's it shouldn't be about them. Yeah, it should. We should be talking about the players on the field who just won a World Cup. This is what makes me so angry. Is these women just did something that is incredible? Not even. Yeah, it, it's so difficult to do. They did it in three cycles, mm -hmm. three cycles, and they won a World Cup without with winning one game before. I want to talk about the women. That's who I want to talk about. Can mm -hmm. we talk about the yes. women? Absolutely. Okay, okay so Thank we're going to talk about more about <laughs> what unravels in Spain in yeah. the coming days because I know plenty will come out of that as they go through their victory celebrations and such. Um, but we're going to have more World Cup on the finals when we come back. But first, we're going to talk to rules analyst Christina Uncle. She'll be joining us to talk a lot about m the moments that happened in this match that could have been game-changing. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. Turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to Attacking Third, where we are talking about the first time. World Cup champions, the Spanish women's national team. Darian, since the tournament started, we could see that this was a team full of futbolistas. Mm -hmm. They wanted the ball, they loved the ball, but it wasn't an easy tournament for them. They had to evolve a little bit. Where do you feel like this team grew throughout the tournament? I think each game they grew, and that was a huge testament to their success. The loss against Japan, which was brutal, Shout out to Japan. That was such a fun game. Yeah. But I think that that's where they were able to learn the most and really pick up from their loss of they needed to adapt. They needed to be more dynamic. They needed to have threats running in behind to create yeah. a little bit more space. And I think that's what kind of built some characteristics that led them to the final and ultimately winning. I love that because they implemented a lot of those things in the final. So mm -hmm. you and I are both going to bring people through a couple of plays that stuck out to us yes. in this game in particular. And it had to do with Spain having the ball. So here they're building out. They had just won the ball back. This is the midfield triangle that we talked about that just dominated. These are the spaces that they like to get the ball in. So as the ball rotates around, watch Jenny Hermoso over there checking her shoulder a couple times. As she checks her shoulder, she sees she can get on the half turn. And then look at the counter movement. Mm. This pushes the two defenders back for England allows for a two, 3v2 here centrally, and then you just play the player who's in space. It's a quick progression down the field then, a couple of passes, they're in beyond. The run from Paraguelo, so I have no idea still how that did not go in the back of the net and become our first of two goals of the game. I know. But this is why you start Paraguelo. Mm -hmm. The way that she could stretch in behind, create a threat, 
to feet, but then if she doesn't get to feet, she's going hard to break the back line. Yeah, no, she was so dynamic for them, and we're so happy she started this game. Yeah. We've been fangirling over her this entire show. Um, but she, you're right, she just spinning off the back shoulder of the back line, and she was able to get in those pockets and be such mm -hmm. a threat that allowed all of the space for the midfield and the outside backs to get up and yeah. score a goal, which we're about to see. Throughout the whole tournament, this was with Spain team who had from 57% possession to 80% possession. They wanted the ball, and this is what they did with it when they got it. Yes, and a huge part of their success was their counter press. They picked up the ball here, and knowing that England is in a 3-5-2, knowing to switch the field, bronze is so far out of position where now they can take advantage of the weak side, and then boom, Olga running forward, and it's such a good layoff and impeccable finish, low and hard far post with that wicked left foot that she has, which led them to this win. It was the perfect timing. I, I know early in the tournament, we talked about the timing of Japan getting into these moments. But here, this was the Spanish squad showing that it wasn't just what they could do with the ball and slow progressions, but they could also hurt you in quick counter attacks. I, I was so surprised that that's how this Spanish team, who loved the ball throughout the whole tournament, ended up scoring the one goal in the final through a quick counter quick attack. transition. I think that's what they picked up from Japan, though. Mm -hmm. Japan mm -hmm. allowed them to have that ball, and then they took note, and that's how they got this goal. Yeah. Kind of tragic that Lucy Bronze was the one to lose the ball there for yeah. England, but the person who scored the goal, Olga Carmona, uh, lost her dad tragically before the match and wasn't told until after she was lifting the cup. Um, her quote there is saying, without knowing, I had my star before the game started. Rest easy, Dad. Uh, tragic uh, there. Devastating. Listen. I mean, so devastating for her. She then made another post saying it was equally the happiest and the saddest day of her mm -hmm. life. She wins the World Cup and, and loses her father. All while, after she scores the goal, she honors her best friend's mother who had passed away on, on the oh. shirt underneath her jersey. What, what a heart from that player. Yeah, we absolutely. saw it on display in the games. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the will to win that type of heart, but we also saw a totally different type of heart. And yeah, our thoughts are with her because that is a difficult thing. Absolutely, I echo that, Jordan. But um, there was a lot of moments in this match between England and Spain that were key moments that we were kind of potentially controversial. So for that, we'll bring in our rules analyst, Christina Uncle, to talk us through some of these moments. Welcome in, Christina, good to see you. Great to see all of you guys. Uh, let's start with the handball on Kira Walsh. Uh, the process kind of took quite a while when we were watching it. Can you talk us through what was happening in that moment and what the end-up call decided happened? Yeah, the decision on the field was no penalty for handling. Referee, U.S. referee Tori Penso was in a great position to see. However, this is where angles can be deceptive. The way Tori was standing, she was looking directly towards the player, so she wasn't able to appreciate whether the right hand was either outside. So if you take a look there in the center, you would see there was a change of direction where Tori was. The right hand is extended further out, does touch her arm, which is a barrier that's allowing this. So you see right there, Tori can't fully appreciate whether the arm is closer to the silhouette or further extended out, even though she's close in proximity. This is why the VAR appropriately recommended this down for penalty handling offense. Tori went, took a look at this, had a better appreciation from that different angle to see her arm beyond her barrier, beyond her silhouette that prevented and created this barrier. Penalty decision was the correct decision. It was a good job by the VAR on this. Christine, I agree with you that the penalty decision was the right decision, but why did it take so long for Tori Penso to go over to the monitor? Because that's the part where it felt like, if you're gonna go look, just go look. To me, that's what I felt like as a viewer. 
Yeah, and it, it did take some time. Um, and uh, one thing that people don't realize is for this final, you have seven people up oh in that VAR goodness. booth. There is quite a bit. You still have your lead VAR. Uh, you have an assistant VAR. Then you have like three or four other assistant VARs. We cannot get these incorrect. And handling offenses are typically kind of gray subjective areas, right? And in tournament play, and specifically with these officials who have worked together for over three years, the standard of a clear and obvious error, ironically enough, is a little bit less just for the fact that they are all attuned and on the same page as to what is considered correct and what's not considered correct. So there was two things they were looking for specifically. Did it in fact touch your hand? As you saw, there was the slightest of touch. So they wanted to make sure they had the definitive angle before they brought her over to ensure that in fact it did touch her hand because it was more like the fingertips, lower palm. And then secondly, was her arm could be interpreted as was it making herself beyond and making that barrier that prevented the continuation play by that Spanish forward? And the answer is yes. So there's probably a lot of voices in that yeah. room. It's a big decision, a very big decision. Ultimately, it is deemed a handball. There is a penalty kick in which English goalkeeper Mary Earps makes the save. It looked like she was off the line. Christina, what did FIFA see? Yeah, so this tickled me pink. So the reason why, <laughs> as Jordan mentioned, timing, right, for Spain. Yes. Timing for Earps on this was impeccable. So a quick reminder, 2019, the laws changed effectively on when goalkeepers, and I saw that people may not have realized that 2019, although I think many of us who covered the Women's World Cup in 2019 have PTSD mm -hmm. for the number of times keepers stepped off that line and got an immediate yellow card, which was in the tournament for the first time ever retroactively changed. However, just a reminder, when the law specifically states, when the ball is kicked, the defending goalkeeper must have either at least one part of their foot touching the line or in line with or behind the goal. Keyword here is to focus on that in line with. So her left foot does not have to be actually touching the line. It could be above the line, okay. but within conjecture. So when you take a look at this and another key, key component, which is okay if it was lost on people, the men and women's World Cup, how we know on perfect timing, there are only two things in life we know that is for sure, right? Death and taxes. Now we can add penalty <laughs> kicks at the point that they're taking in a World Cup because here, not only do they have semi-automated offside technology, this ball specifically has a chip within it. So it knows the exact moment when the ball was actually struck. And that's when they can freeze the frame and take a look at Herb's foot to make sure it was within line. So this is the most accurate decision. Was it by the hmm. margin? Yes. Was her foot above the line and not touching? It doesn't have to be. This was a correct decision by the hmm. VAR. And trust me, there's millions of dollars. <laughs> Christina, you're trying to convince me, but you should have seen me pausing my replay, <laughs> trying to get it at the specific moment. I didn't have a chip in my brain to tell me when it clicked, but I got it pretty close. Lisa <laughs> sent me like four screenshots. Like, uh, how about this one? How about, what about this, this one? one? And even in the in the picture that uh, they tweeted out of the initial thing, I was like, but isn't the post yeah. curved? And then it covers the yes. line. How do you know for sure? Because there's not a camera specific looking at it and I understand you're trying to convince me Christina but I don't think I'm convinced yet oh you're not convinced even with over 30 camera angles semi-automatic <laughs> technology limb technology what more perfection can you guys want and herbs a head up for all goalkeepers you really should wear white cleats because that was also very helpful Ooh. in her stance oh hot take there. Tip. Good tip. Good tip. I like that That's a great tip uh, Christina I'm gonna switch gears a little bit there was a moment that made my heart jump in the game where Periuelo kicked the ball out a little bit further than necessary, maybe to waste some time. And you saw the English players calling for another card and kind of wanting something to happen, which I've gotten a yellow for doing that in my yeah. playing career. <laughs> Do you think that that would have been justifiable 
or was it more of just a referee kind of game management decision? Oh, game management decision, and it's a great question. There's a difference between officiating in league versus a tournament officiating. And when people don't fully get that, and I understand that, is this tournament happens once every four years, right? This isn't a regular season game where, hey, I got a second yellow, I'm sitting out next weekend, I'll be back in 14 days, right? This is a bigger decision. So it's not that we're breaking the law in tournament decisions and how we officiate it. There's a bit more management. And that's one thing that got Tori Penso the final of this game is that not only in the semifinal, but in the times leading up, she knew when to take those moments where we say it's 100% misconduct, we have to apply it, versus how much of the rules or the law is bendable within the spirit of the game, right? that doesn't take away from this significant moment and understanding the bigger context and the bigger picture. So yes, if she would have given the yellow card, would that have been 100% justifiable? The answer is simply yes. However, in the spirit of the game, in the context of it, we don't need that second yellow. That could be managed by what she adopted from her mentor, Kalina, the big eye look that she loves to do. Mm. All right, one more thing, Christina. Tori Penso, Brooke Mayo, Catherine Nesbitt, how proud of you of this trio who got to just referee for the first time ever a World <laughs> Cup final. I I don't have words. I literally you just gave me goosebumps, Jordan. You know how excited I am for this. This is it's never been ever an opportunity for us mm -hmm. FIFA women officials to ever officiate beyond the semifinals. The most decorated referee men and female is Carrie Seitz, who's now the head of the women officials. She could never even get past quarterfinals. One, because we're excited. The U.S. women's national team has always made it past. So we were always conflicted out. We'd get sent home early. It was an understanding. So when we saw them out, yes, our hearts broke, but we said there is now for the first time ever in the women's history of World Cup, we are now eligible to be able to officiate and show the world that we're very, very good at what we do, not just domestically, but internationally. Uh, and it really, really, really gave me the chills. <laughs> you gave me chills Corey with your reaction. Over the past four years, everything she had to go through to fight to get on the panel from U.S. soccer, to even be given the opportunity after coming back from three children, having to pass the men's sprint times plus others. I mean, oh giving up work for a hope and a dream when you don't have any employment contract or health benefits. I mean, not just her, but all of them, uh, you know, Catherine Nesbitt, everything that she's done mm -hmm. as a trailblazer in the men's World Cup final as well. Now she has a women's World Cup final under her belt. Brooke. I mean, I'm about to cry. And there's CONCACAF oh, yeah. people on it from Suriname, right? We're not, we're acknowledging the Suriname assistant referee that mm -hmm. went with Tori. Never made it to that heights. I mean, we are crushing it and the women's referee side of it. And I can only imagine if there was actual more support and personnel and resources towards women referee development, what even more we could do with that. Oh, Christina, Preach. Wow. Preach. Go Christina. Women. I see you getting emotional there. I know this is something that you care about because I follow you on social media and you were always advocating for your fellow referees and for um, there to be better benefits in, in terms of um, all of that. But thank you so much for joining us. We will be having you on much longer all throughout the year and you can maybe convince Lisa. Yeah, we I have a lot of questions <laughs> for you, Christina. I'm always gonna I will get that background data, videos, and analytics. I'll get you that semi-automated screen. I know people. We look forward to it. Thank you so much, Christina. Thanks when we come back, everyone. we will have Sandra Herrera joining us on our favorite World Cup moments and players. Goodness, guys. We get to relive this beautiful tournament. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The World Cup is over and this is one to remember. Let's relive our favorite moments. And for that, we bring in CBS Sports reporter Sandra Herrera to talk us through hers as well. Sandra, let's go ahead and start with you. What was your favorite story of this tournament? Oh, you know where I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay in the region. I'm going to go with CONCACAF, <laughs> and I'm going with Jamaica, making it all the way to the knockout rounds. I was absolutely unsure of what we were going to witness from this reggae girl side. I know that they were into a group where some of us were alluding it to it as a group of chaos, possibly a group of death. It wasn't going to be an easy road, but it wasn't just that they got to the knockout rounds. It was how they did it. I think they were viewed as a, as a team that was going to play organized, right, and try to make sure that they could counter with Bunny Shaw, but then we didn't see Bunny Shaw for a little bit, and they had to face a little bit of adversity there, but all the efforts to, to crowdfund and get them to this point, and then to kind of be rewarded with all of that good performance, and then make it to the knockout rounds. I thought it was an epic, epic storyline. It definitely was. And I'm going to add to that. I'm going to go with Nigeria for being my favorite story and team to come out of this World Cup. I thought that they overcame so much, which we learned after the fact. And, you know, being friends with some of the players, I knew what they were going through all along. But the fact that they were dealing with all of this and still had the success and having some huge wins and debuts in this World Cup that I think it's just an amazing story and I'm so proud of this team and of where they're coming from and where they're going to go and how they're speaking up after the fact. I think that it's going to set precedent for how other teams operate moving forward and just demand better and elevate the standard and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in tournaments in the future and games to come. All right. Well, I see you with Nigeria, <laughs> and I'm going to stay in Africa because my favorite story was from South Africa, but it was a player's story. It was Tembi Katlana. This is a player who tore her Achilles tendon last year in the African Cup of Nations. And she came back. I think they tightened that Achilles tendon up because she was faster than ever before. <laughs> she was a player that they play, other teams could not stop. A goal and an assist in the last two group stage matches. It pushed Bayana Bayana into a historic first ever knockout rounds. Her assist first Italy. It's this little slip ball she plays in. It's better than the game-winning goal she gets just minutes later. But the, the one thing I do want to say, she had a really hard time. She lost multiple family members the weeks leading up to the World Cup. She decided to go, and she quote said, said this, quote, I came back from a very brutal injury to be here. I play for the country to represent every single girl that wanted to be here. She may make history with the girls for South Africa. Oh, chills. Yeah. I, I love me some Tembi Katlana energy. It's yeah. so good. It is so good. There are so many good stories throughout this World Cup. We had eight debutante nations mm -hmm. making their way into this World Cup. So I had to follow one of them, the Philippines, a story that warms my heart. They inspired so many young players around the world and especially in the Philippines. It was their first World Cup qualification. They earned their first World Cup goal. Shout out Serena Bolden. Their first World Cup win. And that win came over a top top 25 nation in New Zealand and they did it all in such a short span of time. We talked about Spain, how they did it over the course of three mm -hmm. cycles. The Philippines did all of that in the span of 18 months or yeah. so and they went on to continue to inspire young girls and players because so many of the Philippines players are American born. Uh, it's incredible all these stories we have. Oh, so amazing. But I just want to talk about the host nation, Australia mm -hmm. hosting this co-host with New Zealand, but the impact that they have had 
had on the country and the way that they view not only women's sports or women's football, but just sport in general, women's football, sorry, women's sport in the country. Um, I spoke to my host sister, I talked about it on Morning Footy when I lived there a few years ago, and she said that it's absolutely changed everything for the country and for women's sport. And so for her to be at 14 years old to notice how the country went around and got around this whole project um, and how beautiful it has been for them to experience this has just been so beautiful to witness and to kind of check in with the parents. They're like, Jenny, I wish you were here. It's the most amazing yeah. thing ever. And Oh, gosh, I love that story. But Sandra, tell me about your favorite player. There's so many players that you could point out here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go with Naomi Yerma out of the U.S. Women's National Team. I think I leaned into that after I realized how much disappointment I felt that we weren't going to get to continue to see her play through the remainder of the knockout rounds with this United States Women's National Team. I think there were a number of players for this U.S. side that we were all looking at to kind of take that next step to kind of introduce themselves as that next generation. And I really believe that Naomi Girma was the player to kind of go ahead and leave her mark to kind of play alongside players who have been there already, whether it was Alyssa Nair behind her or Julie Ertz next to her and kind of just rose to the occasion when a lot was really asked of this player on such a quick turnaround. Sandra, I completely agree. And speaking of players that rose to the occasion and next generation, I have to go with Selma Perriuelo. She was a force to be reckoned with this tournament and not just this tournament, the U-17s, the U-20s, and now the full team. She has won three World Cups and I think it's only gonna go up from here. She, whether she's coming off of the bench and scoring goals or assisting, setting up goals, she has been so good for the Spanish side and added so much dynamicism to this team with her ability to run in behind her hold up play and also technically how good she is and how well she reads the game and I think the sky's the limit for her it's going to be great to see her moving forward with this team. Okay, I'm going to stay with champions, too. I'm going to, I'm going to <laughs> go to the midfield, though. I loved Jenny Hermoso in this tournament. I thought that she really was one of the key catalysts to how this Spanish side got forward. Two goals, or three goals, two assists, excuse me. She was just doing the most. Whether it was as a nine or as a ten, she could float into space, and her technical ability to get out of tight situations and keep the ball for a team to advance it up the field. This is a 33-year-old who is the only player on this Spanish squad to play in Mexico. She has left Spain to go play somewhere else. Everybody's talking about how she, she's too old for this team. Well, she just went and bossed it up mm -hmm. and got the silver ball in the World Cup. It was really fun to watch her play. Jordan, I know you made Sandra happy with the Jenny Hermosa and the Liga MX Femenil shout out. Yeah. Sandra, I'm also going to make you happy because my favorite player to watch was Colombian forward Linda Caicedo, the 18-year-old superstar. I know you would like that one. This was her third World Cup in the span of a year. U17, the U20 editions that happened in 2022. She had a lot of expectations coming into this World Cup with Colombia as well, and she lived up to those expectations. She gets the win for her team, and in the first two goal, two games she scores two goals remember that banger against Germany <laughs> inside the box she splits the defenders and finds the upper 90 this was a player that did all of that and beat cancer at 15 years old and you can still watch her she signed with Real Madrid and her ceiling is incredibly high Sandra, I have another Spanish speaker for you here. I don't know if Naomi Germa knows Spanish, but I feel like we have a vibe here. We're mm -hmm. all talking Spanish speakers. I know we vibe about speaking Spanish, but Aitana Bonmati. 
is absolutely incredible. She is the golden uh, ball winner for a reason, but she also was the MVP in the Champions League. She's also the Supercopa MVP. Um, she's a World Cup winner. She's a Champions League winner, Supercopa winner, a domestic league winner. She has Ooh. done it all recently. And in this final specifically, she had 95% pass completion oh, to just show you gosh. how flawless she is uh, in that midfield. And I know she combines well with Jenny Hermoso, but gosh, what a player to watch. And Pep Guardiola had comments on her as well, saying that she's a football player who has me completely in love with her for the way that she plays. I would say she is like the women's Andres Iniesta playing for Barcelona, which what compliment is better than being compared to Iniesta? That's someone who uh, we all love to see in that midfield. Absolutely incredible. Um, guys, everyone's player is so incredible can, and like exciting to look forward to. Can I add a player that I think I we need to honorable mention? Go, go, go. Mary Fowler. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mary Fowler Great was choice. so good in this tournament because she had to play a really big role that she was going to play a role for Australia, but with Sam Kerr out, she stepped up. And now I read tweets where guys were putting on black gloves to oh, go to yes. the bars <laughs> to go watch the, 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 the Matildas, that. the Tillies play. So I, I loved it. Sandra, let's get to your favorite moment here. All right, we're talking about Spanish speakers, so you know I'm going to go with the Spanish-speaking country. Espanol is better for football, in my opinion, <laughs> but let's, let's stick with Colombia. Look, I was riding with them in the beginning of this tournament to go make some upsets, and there was no bigger upset than when they got that win over Germany. They opened up the group stage with a victory against South Korea, but there was something about taking it to a European side. It brought back a lot of memories for me of Mexico over Germany in Russia's World Cup, and then you have a Latin American side taking down a pretty big European contender. It was a massive moment in their program history and to do it and get all three points in such a high dramatic finish. Yes, Caicedo getting that goal as Lisa already alluded to, but getting that game winner with Manuela Vanegas, it really says a lot about some of these players who have really tried to elevate their game with this program. A handful of them playing in Spain and the two of them connecting in this game. Most of these players play their club soccer in Colombia, but there's something about having players to help you elevate that expectation on the pitch and we saw it all come to life in this game. Great choice, Sandra. I have to go with Brazil's third goal against Panama. Yes. Yes. I Let's think go. that was the most fun goal for me because it was such a team goal and it was in classic Brazil style. You had Dabinha on the side with a 1-2 with the ball into Ari Borges and ultimately the finish from Joao. And you saw it all over the internet, all over the world. And it's just classic Brazilian football that you love to see and you mm -hmm. makes you really just love the sport. Yeah, I could watch that goal on repeat. The other mm -hmm. goal I could watch on repeat was was Sam Kerr finally Banger. getting a start and showing the world what we all knew she could do. The, the biggest storyline coming into the World Cup when it talks about on the field was Sam Kerr gets injured before the opening game for Australia, so she wasn't able to play with that calf injury, and they worked her back in. But this goal, she starts in the semifinal. It's 64 minutes in. And this is only something Sam Kerr can do. She dribbles half the field, beats everybody by herself, and then shoots from 35 yards out. And it was a spectacular goal. Everyone was re ready to go wild. Australia deserved that because this team was remarkable, and they deserved that moment with the best goal scorer in women's football right now.
One of my favorite moments of this World Cup actually happened post-match uh, in the Brazil-Jamaica match when Jamaica knocked out Brazil going into the round of 16 or after the round of 16 when Bunny Shaw and Marta shared a special moment. They chatted after this game um, as Shaw saying that she Marta was an inspiration not only to Shaw growing up but to the entire Caribbean and Marta telling Bunny Shaw, hey, I've been watching Jamaica. I've been cheering for you and watching you since you qualified for the World Cup, you would get knocked down continuously. And we know of the struggles with Jamaica and their federation. And Marta's so impressed with them passing that torch along. And Marta's words as she leaves her sixth and final World Cup, saying that she didn't have an idol growing growing up, let alone a female idol. And now, uh, Jordan, you talked about Sam Kerr. All of these players that we have been talking about for weeks on attacking mm -hmm. third and the world has been watching are now idols to all of these young players. I'm going to second that with that moment was incredibly beautiful. M mine was right before that when Jamaica beat out Brazil to continue on in the tournament. I know that um, Sandra already spoke about that earlier and you're talking about that moment. So I don't need to get into it that much because it really was something so beautiful for CONCACAF, for Jamaica, for um, the, the Federation team who has been fighting for so long um, for them to get equal treatment and, and other stuff in that Jamaican locker room. Um, I think it was the Lauren Donaldson cartwheel that you really liked, though, wasn't <laughs> it? Was. It? Yeah. it was. You know the what? Cartwheel. That's a top moment, absolutely. Yeah. But thank you so much, Sandra. We loved reliving these moments with you, and I'm sure that we're going to continue to do so uh, in all our shows to come because this was a World Cup to remember without a doubt. It was a blast, y'all. See you next time. <laughs> we're going to be talking more World Cup when we come back. Stay with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into Attacking Third, where over the weekend news broke that the NWSL will not bring back the Challenge Cup next season, but will instead stage a one-off match in March of 2024 between this year's NWSL Shield winner and championship winner. Darian, what do you think of them getting rid of the Challenge Cup? I could run around the room. I'm so <laughs> happy. Uh, I can say confidently most of the players have never been a fan of the Challenge Cup post-COVID year. Um, it's a lot of minutes on your body in the middle of season for games, especially when you know you're not going to advance, where you're just kind of playing games just for the heck of it. And sure, it's an opportunity for some players to get some minutes that don't normally see the field, but ultimately, I just think it's been a hindrance. Darian's like, bye. Yeah, peace. <laughs> well, Later. Darian, you like the, the real league, the, the regular season. Uh, so we'll be recapping this weekend that NWSL is back when we come back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, NWSL is back, and let's get straight into the action from this weekend, starting with Portland against North Carolina Courage. 
Jenny, this match ending 2-1 in favor of Portland. It was the top of the table battle between the Thorns and the Courage. And in the first 15 minutes of this game, Portland goes down a player. Kelly Hubley is sent off. So the Thorns score this opening goal from Hannah Bedford with 10 players. And then the World Cup with the U.S. returns Sophia Smith. And within seconds of her return to the Thorns, she scores the game-winning goal for Portland Thorns. It was a come-from-behind win, 11 goals yeah. for Sophia Smith on the season. You have to mark her. Yeah. What, are, what are they doing? They just forgot how good she is? Uh, something like that. That's kind of what She was gone like. for a little bit, so they forgot about her, you know? And, and she had the, the one-two, so it was kind of hard to track her there, too. You have to give All her right. credit, too. But what a great game last night, late night NWSL action, and the Thorns get the win. Oh, yeah. Speaking of other games, let's talk about my pride girlies. We finally got the win and a really good win. 5-0 against Chicago Red Stars. And this girl is on fire. Messiah Bright with the cut in oh and my the curler gosh. to the upper right corner. One of her two goals of the night. She had such a good game. I thought she did fantastic. And then next, later in the game, La Roquette, my former teammate from Kansas City and back from the World Cup with Argentina, her first few touches of the game she cuts it and great finish with her right foot in the upper right corner of the net, which one of the goals that yeah. solidified their win over Chicago Red Stars. One of the five. Yeah, <laughs> one of the five. And the two newcomers get a goal. You mentioned Lotto mm -hmm. Ket. Hafaeli gets one off of a corner kick. So, uh, and that's why Darian's wearing her purple today. I, yeah. Wow. That, yeah, that's why. I thought that that's was why. blue. I, I like it. Um, it's, it's a little bit of both. Well, what is it that Seb Hines is doing there, Darian, that has made them successful recently? It looks like they're having fun, finally. And I think with the additions of the new players, it's raised the competition, and I think it makes everybody's standards go up because we always see Pride having the ideas but not necessarily execution that's right or on the same page with everybody. And so I think having the leadership with Marta and the experienced players coming back from the World Cup and just building that chemistry and a little bit more technical ability, yeah. I think gave them the win. Yeah. Um, there is one low light we need to get to before a final highlight of the weekend. The low light is our very own attacking third girly, uh, Christine Cupo, tore her ACL. I just want to say, girl, welcome to the ACL club. I got your back. We have your back. We're going to help you through this, and we're going to support you in all way we can. But one more highlight of the weekend, you guys. Jenny Chu met Leo <laughs> Messi. She hasn't showered yet, so we can all talk to her. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, he's in my pocket right now. We're the same exact size. Um, <laughs> incredible. What a humble man. It's just such a highlight of my life, yeah. honestly, to be able to say that I met him and that he was so yeah. kind to me. Just end um, on that. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. But guys, thank you so much for joining us throughout this World Cup run. Stay with us as we continue to cover women's soccer all around the world.